Chapter 5, Part 2 of Summer on the Lakes in 1843. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summer on the Lakes in 1843 by Margaret Fuller. Chapter 5, Part 2. Aside from Lowenstein, a town in Württemberg, on mountains whose highest summit is more than 1,800 feet above the level of the sea, lies in romantic seclusion surrounded on all sides by woods and hills the hamlet of prevorst its inhabitants number about four hundred and fifty most of whom support themselves by wood cutting and making charcoal and collecting wood seed as is usual with those who live upon the mountains they are a vigorous race and generally live to old age without sickness diseases that infest the valley such as ague never touched them but they are subject in youth to attacks upon the nerves which one would not expect in so healthy a class in a town situated near to and like prevorst the children were often attacked with a kind of st vitus's dance they would foresee when it would seize upon them and if in the field would hasten home to undergo the paroxysms there from these they rose as from magnetic sleep without memory of what had happened other symptoms show the inhabitants of this region very susceptible to magnetic and sidereal influences on this mountain and indeed in the hamlet of prevost was in eighteen o one a woman born in whom a peculiar inner life discovered itself from early childhood frederica hoff whose father was gamekeeper of this district of forest was as the position and solitude of her birthplace made natural brought up in the most simple manner in the keen mountain air and long winter cold she was not softened by tenderness either to dress or bedding but grew up lively and blooming and while her brothers and sisters under the same circumstances were subject to rheumatic attacks she remained free from them on the other hand her peculiar tendency displayed itself in her dreams if anything affected her painfully her mind was excited by reproof she had instructive warning or prophetic dreams while yet quite young her parents let her go for the advantages of instruction to her grandfather johann schmidgall in lowenstein here were discovered in her the sensibility to magnetic and ghostly influences which the good kerner assures us her grandparents deeply lamented and did all in their power to repress but as it appears that her grandfather also had seen a ghost and there were evidently legends in existence about the rooms in which the little frederica saw a ghost in spots where the presence of human bones caused her sudden shivering we may be allowed to doubt whether indirect influence was not more powerful than direct repression upon these subjects there is the true german impartiality with regard to the scene of appearance for those imposing visitors sometimes it is a room in the castle of lowenstein long disused a la radcliffe sometimes a deserted kitchen this solemn unhappy gift brought no disturbance to the child life of the maiden she enjoyed life with more vivacity than most of her companions the only trouble she had was the extreme irritability of the optic nerve which though without inflammation of the eyes sometimes confined her to a solitary chamber 
this says dr k was probably a sign of the development of the spiritual in the fleshly eye sickness of her parents at last called her back to the lonely prevorst where by trouble and watching beside sick beds her feelings were too much excited so that the faculty for prophetic dreams and the vision of spirits increased upon her from her seventeenth to her nineteenth year when every outward relation was pleasant for her this inward life was not so active she was distinguished from other girls of her circle only by the more intellectual nature which displayed itself chiefly in the eyes and by a greater liveliness which however never passed the bounds of grace and propriety she had none of the sentimentality so common at that age and it can be proved that she never had an attachment nor was disappointed in love as has been groundlessly asserted in her nineteenth year she was by her family betrothed to herr h the match was desirable on account of the excellence of the man and the sure provision it afforded for her comfort through life but whether from presentiment of the years of suffering that were before her or from other hidden feelings of which we only know with certainty that if such there were they were not occasioned by another attachment she sank into a dejection inexplicable to her family passed whole days in weeping scarcely slept for some weeks and thus the life of feeling which had been too powerful in her childhood was called up anew in full force on the day of her solemn betrothal took place also the funeral of t the preacher of oberstenfeld a man of sixty or more years whose preaching instruction and character he was goodness itself had had great influence upon her life she followed the dear remains with others to the churchyard her heart still then so heavy was suddenly relieved and calm as she stood beside the grave she remained there long enjoying her new peace and when she went away found herself tranquil but indifferent to all the concerns of this world here began the period not indeed as yet of sickness but of a peculiar inward life which knew afterward no pause later in some nabulent state she spoke of this day in the following verses the deceased had often appeared to her as a shape of life protecting her from evil spirits these are little simple rhymes they are not worth translating into verse though in the original they have a childish grace what was once so dark to me i see now clearly in that day when i had given in marriage myself away i stood quite immersed in thee thou angel figure above thy grave mound willingly would i have exchanged with thee willingly given up to thee my earthly luck which those around praised as the blessing of heaven i prayed upon thy grave for one blessing only that the wings of this angel might henceforward on the hot path of life waft around me the peace of heaven there standest thou angel now my prayer was heard she was in consequence of her marriage removed to kernbach place on the borders of Württemberg and baden its position is low gloomy shut in by hills opposite in all the influences of earth and atmosphere to those of prevorst in its vicinity those of electrical susceptibility are often made sick or well by change of place paponi of whom amoretti writes a man of such susceptibility was cured of convulsive attacks by change of place 
hennet could find repose while in one part of calabria only by wrapping himself in an oilcloth mantle thus as it were isolating himself that great sense of sidereal and imponderable influences which afterward manifested itself so clearly in the seherin probably made this change of place very unfavorable to her later it appeared that the lower she came down from the hills the more she suffered from spasms but on the heights her tendency to the magnetic state was the greatest but also mental influences were hostile to her already withdrawn from the outward life she was placed where as consort and housekeeper to a laboring man the calls on her care and attention were incessant she was obliged hourly to forsake her in her home to provide for an outer which did not correspond with it she bore this seven months though flying to solitude whenever outward relations permitted but longer it was not possible to conceal the inward verity by an outward action the body sank beneath the attempt and the spirit took refuge in the inner circles one night she dreamed that she awoke and found the dead body of the preacher t by her side that at the same time her father and two physicians were considering what should be done with her in a severe sickness she called out that the dead friend would help her she needed no physician her husband hearing her cry out in sleep woke her this dream was a presage of a fever which seized her next morning it lasted fourteen days with great violence and was succeeded by attacks of convulsion and spasm this was the beginning of that state of bodily suffering and mental exaltation which she passed the remaining seven years of her life she seems to have been very injudiciously treated in the first stages of her illness bleeding was resorted to as usual in cases of extreme suffering where the nurses know not what else to do and as usual the momentary relief was paid for by an increased nervousness and capacity for suffering magnetic influences from other persons were of frequent use to her but they were applied without care as to what characters and constitutions were brought into connection with hers and were probably in the end just as injurious to her as the loss of blood at last she became so weak so devoid of all power in herself that her life seemed entirely dependent on artificial means and the influences of other men there is a singular story of a woman in the neighborhood who visited her once or twice partly from an instinct that she could injure herself and afterwards interfered in the same way and with the same results in the treatment of her child this demoniacal impulse and power which were ascribed to the canidius of ancient superstition may be seen subtly influencing the members of everyday society we see persons led by an uneasy impulse towards the persons and the topics which they are sure they can irritate and annoy this is constantly observable among children also in the closest relations between grown-up people who have not yet the government of themselves neither are governed by the better power there is also an interesting story of a quack who treated her with amulets whose parallel may be found in the action of such persons in common society it is an expression of the power that a vulgar and self-willed nature will attain over one delicate poetical but not yet clear within itself 
outwardly it yields to a power which it inwardly disclaims a touching little passage is related of a time in the first years when she seemed to be better so much so as to receive an evening visit from some female friends they grew merry and began to dance she remained sad and thoughtful when they stopped she was in the attitude of prayer one of her intimates observing this began to laugh this affected her so much that she became cold and rigid like a corpse for some time they did not hear her breathe and when she did it was with a rattling noise they applied mustard poultices and used foot and hand baths she was brought back to life but to a state of great suffering she recognized as her guardian spirit who sometimes magnetized her or removed from her neighborhood substances that were hurtful to her her grandmother thus coinciding with the popular opinion that traits reappear in the third generation now began still greater wonders the second sight numerous and various visits from spirits and so forth the following may be mentioned in connection with theories and experiments current among ourselves a friend who was often with her at this time wrote to me kerner when i with my finger touch her on the forehead between the eyebrows she says each time something that bears upon the state of my soul some of these sentences i record keep thy soul so thou mayest bear it in thy hands when thou comest into a world of bustle and folly hold the lord fast in thy heart if any seek to veil from thee thy true feeling pray to god for grace permit not thyself to stifle the light that springs up within thyself think often of the cross of jesus go forth and embrace it as the dove found a resting place in noah's ark so wilt thou also find a resting place which god has appointed for thee when she was put under the care of kerner she had been five years in this state and was reduced to such weakness that she was with difficulty sustained from hour to hour he thought at first it would be best to take no notice of her magnetic states and directions and told her he should not but should treat her with regard to her bodily symptoms as he would with any other invalid at this time she fell every evening into magnetic sleep and gave orders about herself to which however those round her no longer paid attention i was now called in i had never seen this woman but had heard many false or perverted accounts of her condition i must confess that i shared the evil opinion of the world as to her illness that i advised to pay no attention to her magnetic situation and the orders she gave in it in her spasms to forbear the laying of hands upon her to deny her the support of persons of stronger nerves in short to do all possible to draw her out of the magnetic state and to treat her with attention but with absolutely none but the common medical means these views were shared by my friend dr off of lowenstein who continued to treat her accordingly but without good results hemorrhage spasms night sweats continued her gums were scorbutically affected and bled constantly she lost all her teeth strengthening remedies affected her like being drawn up from her bed by force she sank into a fear of all men in a deadly weakness her death was to be wished but it came not her relations in despair not knowing themselves what they could do with her 
brought her almost against my will to me at Winesburg. She was brought hither an image of death, perfectly emaciated, unable to raise herself. Every three or four minutes a teaspoon of nourishment must be given her, else she fell into faintness or convulsion. Her somnambulic situation alternated with fever, hemorrhage, and night sweats. Every evening, about seven o'clock, she fell into magnetic sleep. She then spread out her arms and found herself from that moment in a clairvoyant state, but only when she brought them back upon her breast did she begin to speak. Kerner mentions that her child, too, slept with its hands and feet crossed. In this state her eyes were shut, her face calm and bright. As she fell asleep the first night after her arrival, she asked for me, but I bade them tell her that I, now and in future, should speak to her only when awake. After she awoke, I went to her and declared in brief and earnest terms that I should pay no attention to what she said in sleep, and that her somnambulic state, which had lasted so long to the grief and trouble of her family, must now come to an end. This declaration I accompanied by an earnest appeal, designed to awaken a firm will in her to put down the excessive activity of brain that disordered her whole system afterwards no address was made to her on any subject when in her sleep-waking state she was left to lie unheeded i pursued a homeopathic treatment of her case but the medicines constantly produced effects opposite to what i expected she now suffered less from spasm and somnambulism but with increasing marks of weakness and decay all seemed as if the end of her sufferings drew near it was too late for the means i wished to use affected so variously and powerfully by magnetic means in the first years of her illness she had now no life more so thoroughly was the force of her own organization exhausted but what she borrowed from others in her now more infrequent magnetic trance she was always seeking the true means of her cure it was touching to see how retiring within herself she sought for help the physician who had aided her so little with his drugs must often stand abashed before the inner physician, perceiving it to be far better skilled than himself. After some weeks' forbearance, Kerner did ask her in her sleep what he should do for her. She prescribed a magnetic treatment, which was found of use. Afterwards, she described a machine of which there is a drawing in this book, which she wished to have made for her use. It was so, and she derived benefit from it she had indicated such a machine in the early stages of her disease but at that time no one attended to her by degrees she grew better under this treatment and lived at Weinsberg nearly two years though in a state of great weakness and more in the magnetic and clairvoyant than in the natural human state how his acquaintance with her affected the physician he thus expresses during those last months of her abode on the earth there remained to her only the life of a sylph i have been interested to record not a journal of her sickness but the mental phenomena of such an almost disembodied life such may cast light on the period when also our psyche may unfold her wings free from bodily bonds and the hindrances of space and time i give facts each reader may interpret them in his own way the manuals of animal magnetism and other writings have proposed many theories by which to explain such all these are known to me i shall make no reference to them but 
only by use of parallel facts here and there show that the phenomena of this case recall many in which there is nothing marvellous but which are manifestly grounded in our common experience such apparitions cannot too frequently if only for moments flash across that common experience as electric lights from the higher world frau h was previous to my magnetic treatment in so deep a synambulic life that she was in fact never rightly awake even when she seemed to be or rather let us say she was at times more awake than others are for it is strange to term sleep the state which is just that of the clearest wakefulness better to say she was immersed in the inward state in this state and the consequent excitement of the nerves she had almost wholly lost organic force and received it only by transmission from those of stronger condition principally from their eyes and the ends of the fingers the atmosphere and nerve communications of others she said bring me the life which i need they do not feel it these effusions on which i live would flow from them and be lost if my nerves did not attract them only this way can i live she often assured us that others did not suffer by loss of what they imparted to her but it cannot be denied that persons were weakened by constant intercourse with her suffered from contraction in the limbs trembling etc they were weakened also in the eyes in the pit of the stomach from those related to her by blood she could draw more benefit than from others and when very weak from them only probably on account of a natural affinity of temperament she could not bear to have around her nervous and sick persons those from whom she could gain nothing made her weaker even so it is remarked that flowers soon lose their beauty near the sick and suffer peculiarly under the contact or care of some persons other physicians beside myself can vouch that the presence of some persons affected her as a pablum vitae while if left with certain others or alone she was sure to grow weaker from the air too she seemed to draw a peculiar ethereal nourishment of the same sort she could not remain without an open window in the severest cold of winter the spirit of things about which we have no perception was sensible to her and had influence on her she showed the sense of the spirit of metals plants animals and men imponderable existences such as the various colors of the ray showed distinct influences upon her the electric fluid was visible and sensible to her when it was not to us yea what is incredible even the written words of men she could discriminate by touch these experiments are detailed under their several heads in this book from her eyes flowed a peculiar spiritual light which impressed even those who saw her for a very short time she was in each relation more spirit than human should we compare her with anything human we would say she was as one detained at the moment of dissolution betwixt life and death and who is better able to discern the affairs of the world that lies before than that behind him she was often in situations when one who had like her the power of discerning spirits would have seen her own free from the body which at times enveloped it only as a light veil she saw herself often out of the body saw herself double she would say i seem out of myself hover above my body and think of it as something apart from me but it is not a pleasant feeling because i still sympathize with my body 
if only my soul were bound more firmly to the nerve spirit it might be bound more closely with the nerves themselves but the bond of my nerve spirit is always becoming looser she makes a distinction between spirit as the pure intelligence soul the ideal of this individual man and nerve spirit the dynamic of his temporal existence of this feeling of double identity an invalid now wasting under nervous disease often speaks to me he has it when he first awakes from sleep blake the painter whose life was almost as much a series of trances as that of our saharan in his designs of the resurrection represents spirits as rising from or hovering over their bodies in the same way often she seemed quite freed from her body and to have no more sense of its weight as to artificial culture or dressing dressure frau h had nothing of it she had learned no foreign tongue neither history nor geography nor natural philosophy nor any other of those branches now imparted to those of her sex in their schools the bible and hymn book were especially in the long years of her sickness her only reading her moral character was throughout blameless she was pious without fanaticism even her long-suffering and the peculiar manner of it she recognized as the grace of god as she expresses in the following verses great god how great is thy goodness to me thou hast given faith and love holding me firm in the distress of my sufferings in the darkness of my sorrow i was so far led away as to beg for peace and speedy death but then came to me the mighty strong faith hope came and came eternal love they shut my earthly eyelids when o oh bliss dead lies my bodily frame but in the inmost mind a light burns up such as none knows in the waking life is it a light no but a son of grace often in the sense of her sufferings while in the magnetic trance she made prayers in verse of which this is one father hear me hear my prayer and supplication father i implore thee let not thy child perish look on my anguish my tears shed hope into my heart and still its longing father on thee i call have pity take something from me the sick one the poor one father i leave thee not though sickness and pain consume me if i the spring's light see only through the mist of tears father i leave thee not these verses lose their merit of a touching simplicity in an unrhymed translation but they will serve to show the habitual temper of her mind as i was a maker of verses continues dr kerner it was easy to say frau h derived this talent from my magnetic influence but she made these little verses before she came under my care not without deep significance was apollo distinguished as being at once the god of poesy of prophecy and the medical art sleep-waking develops the powers of seeing healing and poesy how nobly the ancients understood the inner life how fully is it indicated in their mysteries i know a pleasant maiden who cannot write but who in the magnetic state speaks in measured verse galen was indebted to his nightly dreams for a part of his medical knowledge the calumnies spread about frau h were many and gross this she well knew as one day she heard so many of these as to be much affected by them we thought she would express her feelings that night in the magnetic sleep but she only said they can affect my body but not my spirit 
her mind raised above such assaults by the consciousness of innocence maintained its tranquillity and dwelt solely on spiritual matters once in her sleep-waking she wrote thus when the world declares of me such cruel ill and calumny and to your ears it finds a way do you believe it yea or nay i answered to us thou seemest true and pure let others view it as they will we have our assurance still if our own sight can make us sure people of all kinds to my great trouble were always pressing to see her if we refuse them access to the sick-room they avenge themselves by the invention of all kinds of falsehoods she met all with equal friendliness even when it cost her bodily pain and those who defamed her she often defended there came to her both good and bad men she felt the evil in men clearly but would not censure lift up a stone to cast at no sinner but was rather likely to awake in the faulty being she suffered near her faith in a spiritual life which might make them better years before she was brought to me the earth with its atmosphere and all that is about and upon it human beings not accepted was no more for her she needed not only a magnetizer not only a love an earnestness an insight such as scarce lies within the capacity of any man but also what no mortal could bestow upon her another heaven other means of nourishment other air than that of this earth she belonged to the world of spirits living here herself as more than half spirit she belonged to the state after death into which she had advanced more than halfway it is possible she might have been brought back to an adaptation from this world in the second or third year of her malady but in the fifth no mode of treatment could have affected this but by care she was aided to a greater harmony and clearness of the inward life she enjoyed at weinsberg as she after said the richest and happiest days of this life and to us her abode here remains a point of light as to her outward form we have already said it seemed but a thin veil about her spirit she was little her features of an oriental cast her eye had the penetrating look of a seer's eye which was set off by the shade of long dark eyelashes she was a light flower that only lived on rays eschenmeyer writes thus of her in his mysteries her natural state was a mild friendly earnestness always disposed to prayer and devotion her eye had a highly spiritual expression and remained notwithstanding her great sufferings always bright and clear her look was penetrating would quickly change in the conversation seemed to give forth sparks and remain fixed on some one place this was a token that some strange apparition fettered it then would she resume the conversation when i first saw her she was in a situation which showed that her bodily life could not long endure and that recovery to the common natural state was quite impossible without visible derangement of the functions her life seemed only a wick glimmering in the socket she was as kerner truly describes her like one arrested in the act of dying and detained in the body by magnetic influences spirit and soul seemed often divided and the spirit to have taken up its abode in other regions while the soul was yet bound to the body i have given these extracts as being happily expressive of the relation between the physician and the clairvoyant also of her character it seems to have been one of singular gentleness and grateful piety simple and pure but not at all one from which 
we should expect extraordinary development of brain in any way yet the excitement of her temperament from climate scenery the influence of traditions which evidently flowed round her and a great constitutional impressibility did develop in her brain the germs both of poetic creation and science i say poetic creation for to my mind the ghosts she saw were projections of herself into objective reality the hades she imagines is based in fact for it is one of souls who having neglected their opportunities for better life find themselves left forlorn helpless seeking aid from being still ignorant and prejudiced perhaps much below themselves in natural powers having forfeited their chance of direct access to god they seek mediation from the prayers of men but in the colouring and dress of these ghosts as always in their manner and mode of speech there is a great deal which seems merely fanciful local and peculiar to me these interviews represent only prophecies of her mind yet considered in this way they are if not ghostly spiritual facts of high beauty and which cast light on the state of the soul after its separation from the body her gentle patience with them her steady reference to a higher cause her pure joy when they became white in the light of happiness obtained through aspiration are worthy of a more than half enfranchised angel as to the stories of mental correspondence and visits to those still engaged in this world such as are told of her presentiment of her father's death in connection with him in the last moments these are probably pure facts those who have sufficient strength of affection to be easily disengaged from external impressions and habits and who dare trust their mental impulses are familiar with such her invention of a language seems a simply natural motion of the mind when left to itself the language we habitually use is so broken and so hackneyed by ages of conventional use that in all deep states of being we crave one simple and primitive in its stead most persons make one more or less clear from looks tones and symbols this woman in the long leisure of her loneliness in a mind bent upon itself attempted to compose one of letters and words i look upon it as no gift from without but a growth from her own mind her invention of a machine of which she made a drawing the power of drawing correctly her life circle and sun circle and the mathematical feeling she had of her existence in correspondent sections of the two are also valuable as mental facts these figures describe her history and exemplify the position of mathematics toward the world of creative thought every fact of mental existence ought to be capable of similar demonstration i attach no especial importance to our circles we all live in such all who observe themselves have the same sense of exactness and harmony in the revolutions of their destiny but few attend to what is simple and invariable in the motions of their minds and still fewer seek out means clearly to express them to others goethe has taken up these facts in his wanderjahr where he speaks of his makaria also one of these persons who are compensated for bodily infirmity by a more concentrated and acute state of mind and consequent accesses of wisdom as being bound to a star when she was engaged by a sense of these larger revolutions she seemed to those near her on the earth to be sick when she was in fact lower but 
better adapted to the details and variations of an earthly life these said she was very well makaria knew the sun and life circles also the lives of spirit and soul as did the forester's daughter of prevorst her power of making little verses was one of her least gifts many excitable persons possess this talent at versification as all may possess it it is merely that a certain exaltation of feeling raises the mode of expression with it in the same way a song differs from speech verses of this sort do not necessarily demand the high faculties that constitute the poet the creative powers many verses good ones are personal or national merely ballads hymns love lyrics have often no claim differing from those of common prose speech to the title of poems except a greater keenness and terseness of expression the verses of the seherin are of the simplest character the natural garb for the sighs or aspirations of a lonely heart she uses the shortest words the commonest rhymes and the verses move us by their nature and truth alone the most interesting of these facts to me are her impressions from minerals and plants her impressions coincide with many ancient superstitions the hazel woke her immediately and gave her more power therefore the witch with her hazel wand probably found herself superior to those around her we may also mention in reference to witchcraft that dr k asserts that in certain moods of mind she had no weight but was upborne upon water like cork thus confirming the propriety and justice of our forefathers ordeal for witchcraft the laurel produced on her the highest magnetic effect therefore the sibyls had good reason for wearing it on their brows the laurel had on her as on most sleepwalkers a distinguished magnetic effect we thus see why the priestess at delphi previous to uttering her oracles shook a laurel tree and then seated herself on a tripod covered with laurel boughs in the temple of esculapius and others the laurel was used to excite sleep and dream from grapes she declared impressions which corresponded with those caused by the wines made from them many kinds were given her one after the other by the person who raised them and who gives a certificate as to the accuracy of her impressions and his belief that she could not have derived them from any cause but that of the touch she prescribed vegetable substances to be used in her machine as a kind of vapor bath and with good results to herself she enjoyed contact with minerals deriving from those she liked a sense of concentrated life her impressions of the precious stones corresponded with many superstitions of the ancients which led to the preference of certain gems for amulets on which they had engraved talismanic figures the ancients in addition to their sense of the qualities that distinguished the diamond above all gems venerated it as a talesman against wild beasts poison and evil spirits thus expressing the natural influence of what is so enduring bright and pure townsend speaking of the effect of gems on one of his sleep-wakers said she loved the diamond so much that she would lean her forehead towards it whenever it was brought near her it is observable that these sleep-wakers in their prescriptions resemble the ancient sages who called only simples for the sick but if they have this fine sense also for the qualities of animal and mineral substances there is no reason why they should not turn bane to antidote and prescribe at least homeopathic doses of poison 
to restore the disease to health the seherim ascribed different states to the right and left sides of every body even of the lady moon the left is most impressible query is this the reason why the left hand has been by the custom of nations so almost disused because the heart is on the left side she also saw different sights in the left from the right eye in the left the bodily state of the person in the right his real or destined self how often unknown to himself almost always obscured or perverted by his present ignorance or mistake she had also the gift of second sight she saw the coffins of those about to die she saw in mirrors cups of water in soap bubbles the coming future we are here reminded of many beautiful superstitions and legends of the secret pool in which the daring may at mid-moon of night read the future of the magic globe on whose pure surface Britomart sees her future love whom she must seek arrayed in knightly armour through a difficult and hostile world a looking-glass right wondrously aguized whose virtues through the wide world soon were solemnized if virtue had to show in perfect sight whatever thing was in the world contained betwixt the lowest earth and heaven's height so that it to the looker appertained whatever foe had wrought or friend had feigned here it discovered was ne aught mote pas ne aught in secret from the same remained forthy it round and hollow shaped was like to the world itself and seemed a world of glass from the fairy queen book three such mirrors had cornelius agrippa and other wizards the soap bubble is such a globe only one had need of second sight or, or double sight to see the pictures on so transitory a mirror perhaps it is some vague expectation of such wonders that makes us so fond of blowing them in childish years but perhaps it is rather as a prelude to the occupation of our lives blowing bubbles where all things may be seen that to the looker appertain if we can keep them long enough or look quick enough in short were this biography of no other value it would be most interesting as showing how the floating belief of nations always no doubt shadowing forth in its imperfect fashion the poetic facts with their scientific exposition is found to grow up anew in a simple but high-wrought nature the fashioning spirit working upwards from the clod to man proffers as its last highest essay the brain of man in the lowest zoophyte it aimed at this some faint rudiments may there be discerned but only in man has it perfected that immense galvanic battery that can be loaded from above below and around that engine not only of perception but of conception and consecutive thought whose right hand is memory whose life is idea the crown of nature the platform from which spirit takes wing yet as gradation is the beautiful secret of nature and the fashioning spirit which loves to develop and transcend loves no less to moderate to modulate and harmonize it did not mean by thus drawing man onward to the next state of existence to destroy his fitness for this it did not mean to destroy his sympathies with the mineral vegetable and animal realms of whose components he is in great part composed which were the preface to his being of whom he is to take count whom he should govern as a reasoning head of a perfectly arranged body he was meant to be the historian the philosopher the poet the king of this world 
no less than the profit of the next these functions should be in equipose and when they are not when we see excess either on the natural so-called as distinguished from the spiritual or the spiritual side we feel that the law is transgressed and if it be the greatest sorrow to see brain merged into body to see a man more hands or feet than head so that we feel he might with propriety be on all fours again or even crawl like the serpent it is also sad to see the brain too much excited on some one side which we call madness or even unduly and prematurely so as to destroy in its bloom the common human existence of the person as in the case before us and others of the poetical and prophetical existence we would rather mind should foresee less and less more surely that death should ensure but gentler gradation and the brain be the governor and interpreter rather than the destroyer of the animal life but in cases like this where the animal life is prematurely broken up and the brain prematurely exercised we may as well learn what we can from it and believe that the glimpses thus caught if not as precious as the full view are bright with the same light and open to the same scene there is a family character about all the german ghosts we find the same features in these stories as those related by jung stealing and others they bear the same character as the pictures by the old masters of a deep and simple piety she stands before as this piety in a full high-necked robe a simple housefrauish cap a clear straightforward blue eye these are no terrible gloomy ghosts with spanish mantle or italian dagger we feel quite at home with them and sure of their good faith to the sahiran they were a real society constantly inspiring good thoughts the reference to them in these verses written in her journal shortly before her death is affecting and shows her deep sense of their reality she must have felt that she had been a true friend to them by refusing always as she did requests she thought wrong and referring them to a saviour farewell my friends all farewell god bless you for your love bless you for your goodness all farewell and you how shall i name you who have so saddened me i will name you also friends you have been disciplined to me farewell 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 you my dear ones soon will you know how hard have been my sufferings in the pilgrim land farewell let it not grieve you that my woes find an end farewell dear ones till the second meeting farewell farewell in this journal her thoughts dwell much upon those natural ties which she was not permitted to enjoy she thought much of her children and often fancied she had saw the one who had died growing in the spirit land any allusion to them called a sweet smile on her face when in her trance other interesting poems are records of these often beautiful visions especially of that preceding her own death the address to her life circle the thought of which is truly great this was translated in the dublin magazine and the descriptions of her earthly state as an imprisonment the story of her life though stained like others by partialities and prejudices which were not justly distinguished from what was altogether true and fair is a poem of so pure a music presents such gentle and holy images that we sympathize fully in the love and gratitude kerner and his friends felt towards her as the friend of their best life she was a saint teresa in her own way 
his address to her with which his volume closes may thus be translated in homely guise in the original it has no merit except as uttering his affectionate and reverent feeling towards his patient the peasant girl the sick one the poor one but we like to see how from the mouths of babes and sucklings praise may be so perfected as to command this reverence from the learned and worldly wise the seeress of prevost farewell the debt i owe thee ever in my heart i bear my soul sees since i know thee the spirit depth so clear whether in light or shade thy soul now dwelling hath be if my faith should fade the guide upon my path livest thou in mutual power with souls blessed and bright o be in death's dark hour my help to heaven's light upon thy grave is growing the plant by thee beloved st john's wort golden glowing like st john's thoughts of love witness of sacred sorrow whene'er thou meetest my eye o flower from thee i borrow thoughts of eternity farewell the woes of earth no more my soul affright who knows their temporal birth can easy bear their weight i do confess this is a paraphrase not a translation also that in the other extracts i have taken liberties with the original for the sake of condensation and clearness what i have written must be received as a slight and conversational account of the work two or three other remarks i had forgotten may come in here the glances at the spirit world have none of that larger universal significance none of that value from philosophical analogy that is felt in any picture by swedenborg or dante of permanent relations the mind of the forester's daughter was exalted and rapidly developed still the wild cherry tree bore no orange she was not transformed into a philosophic or poetic organization yet many of her untaught notions remind of other seers of a larger scope she too receives this life as one link in a long chain and thinks that immediately after death the meaning of the past life will appear to us as one word she tends to a belief in the aromal state and in successive existences on this earth for behind persons she often saw another being whether their form in the state before or after this i know not behind a woman a man equipped for fight and so forth her perception of character even in cases of those whom she saw only as they passed her window was correct kerner aims many a leaden sarcasm at those who despise his credulity he speaks of those sages as men whose brain is a glass table incapable of receiving the electric spark and who will not believe because in their mental isolation they are incapable of feeling these facts certainly i think he would be dull who could see no meaning or beauty in the history of the forester's daughter of prevorst she lived but nine and twenty years yet in that time had traversed a larger portion of the field of thought than all her race before in their many and long lives of the abuses to which all these magical implements are prone i have an instance since leaving milwaukee in the journal of a man equally sincere but not equally inspired led from germany hither by signs and wonders as a commissioned agent of providence who indeed has arranged every detail of his life with a minuteness far beyond the promised care of the sparrow he props himself by spiritual aid from a maiden now in this country who was once an attendant on the seeress 
and who seems to have caught from her the contagion of trance but not its revelations do not blame me that i have written so much about germany and hades while you were looking for news of the west here on the pier i see disembarking the germans the norwegians the swedes the swiss who knows how much of old legendary lore of modern wonder they have already planted amid the wisconsin forests soon soon their tales of the origin of things and the providence which rules them will be so mingled with those of the indian that the very oak trees will not know them apart will not know whether itself be a runic a druid or a winnebago oak some seeds of all growths that have ever been known in this world might no doubt already be found in these western wilds if we had the power to call them life i saw in the newspaper that the american tract society boasted of their agents having exchanged at a western cavern door tracts for the devil on two sticks and then burnt that more entertaining than edifying volume no wonder though they study it there could one but have the gift of reading the dreams dreamed by men of such various birth various history various mind it would afford much more extensive amusement than did the chambers of one spanish city could i but have flown at night through such mental experiences instead of being shut up in my little bedroom in the milwaukee boarding-house this chapter would have been worth reading as it is let us hasten to a close had i been rich in money i might have built a house or set up in business during my fortnight's stay at milwaukee matters move on there at so rapid a rate but being only rich in curiosity i was obliged to walk the streets and pick up what i could in casual intercourse when i left the street indeed and walked on the bluffs or sat beside the lake in their shadow my mind was rich in dreams congenial to the scene some time to be realized though not by me a boat was left keel up half on the sand half in the water swaying with each swell of the lake it gave a picturesque grace to that part of the shore as the only image of inaction only object of a pensive character to be seen near this i sat to dream my dreams and watch the colors of the lake changing hourly till the sun sank these hours yielded impulses wove webs such as life will not again afford returning to the boarding-house which was also a boarding-school we were sure to be greeted by gay laughter this school was conducted by two girls of nineteen and seventeen years their pupils were nearly as old as themselves the relations seemed very pleasant between them the only superiority that of superior knowledge was sufficient to maintain authority all the authority that was needed to keep daily life in good order in the west people are not respected merely because they are old in years people there have not time to keep up appearances in that way when they cease to have a real advantage in wisdom knowledge or enterprise they must stand back and let those who are oldest in character go ahead however few years they may count there are no banks of established respectability in which to bury the talent there no napkin of precedent in which to wrap it what cannot be made to pass current is not esteemed coin of the realm to the windows of this house where the daughter of a famous indian fighter i e fighter against the indians was learning french and the piano came wild tawny figures offering for sale their baskets of berries the boys now instead of brandishing the tomahawk tamed their hands to pick raspberries 
here the evenings were much lightened by the gay chat of one of the party who with the excellent practical sense of mature experience and the kindest heart united a naivete and innocence such as i never saw in any other who'd walk so long life's tangled path like a child she was everywhere at home and like a child received and bestowed entertainment from all places all persons i thanked her for making me laugh as did the sick and poor whom she was sure to find out in her briefest sojourn in any place for more substantial aid happier those who never grieve and so often aid and enliven their fellow man this scene however i was not sorry to exchange for the much celebrated beauties of the island of mackinac End of chapter 5, part 2